I know it's so cliche, but recently we've celebrated a man who has now won seven Super Bowl rings. Two different teams, two different conferences. Who does that? Somebody who cheats. But anyway, I'm joking. But you know what's going to happen? That 40-plus-year-old body is going to catch up with him. He's going to have knee operations, back operations. He's going to have times where his body hurts because of these beatings he takes out onto a football field. And what's going to happen next year, we're going to crown another champion of football. Oh, but aren't you glad today Jesus never loses his championships? Somebody declare that. Nobody takes his belt away. Nobody takes his ring away. Nobody takes his trophy away. It wasn't in a cold crown, but in a crown of thorns that he was crowned champion of it all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My goodness, my goodness. Would you right now look at about three people and just say the Lord is good? The Lord is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may be seated. My dear saints, we're not going to, I'm going to share just a little while today. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All this champion talk, though, does make my heart a little heavy. I won't lie. It, it was something this week, the evangelical church, the evangelical Christians lost one of the greatest voices. Greatest voices, Carmen. And he didn't even advertise his last name till uh, maybe four or five years ago. Made that part of his profile. But uh, we have lost a great... Had, had anybody ever gone to a Carmen concert? Amen. All righty. Did any young ladies decide to get saved that night so you could stand near Carmen? I know girls that did that. They thought, they thought that black Italian hair of his was just so pretty. Amen. Yes, reached out and grabbed Narissa by the hand at that concert. I had seen him twice in two big arenas, once as like a 10-year-old and once as like a 14, 15-year-old there in Cincinnati. And then when I got to be in college, he was kind of doing some smaller venue type stuff. And he did an afterglow service at the Church of God General Assembly. He did an afterglow concert at the Church of God General Assembly. And uh, I'll have to say this. I, I, I say this in humility. When you're in high school and you're overweight and you think you look good in loud suits and gold chain bracelets, you're not exactly a head turner, okay? So you're not exactly a head turner. Uh, but for some reason, I had been in a relationship with Elizabeth for about a year at that time. And if you knew me, some of you old schooler pikers that are in the house, you know I very proudly stated who I was dating, never hid that from anybody. But there was this one young lady who was a fellow pastor's kid who just wouldn't understand the fact that I was in a serious relationship, okay? I tell you. And the funny thing, at that Carmen concert at General Assembly, my sister left my side to go up to the front and left me all vulnerable there and that girl forced herself to sit next to me no joke that girl that girl I, was, I would have and then months prior uh, my sister even proudly told her that I had a girlfriend and I was taken and I was very much taken and uh, but uh, at that concert that girl forced herself ne sitting next to me 
and Carmen brought it to like a serious time of prayer, you know, and he said, if you have a need, please stand. And then he said, if there's any, the, the girl stood. And then, well, good old brother Carmen went on to say, and if you're sitting next to somebody who is standing, will you put your he hand on their shoulder? And I thought to myself, that's the reason why that girl stood. I'm not touching and agreeing with that girl. I'm sitting right here, and I'll pray for her at a distance. Amen. She's going to keep her heart in the right place. Amen. This, this fella's taken. Amen. But I tell you, what a great voice. What an awesome, awesome uh, man to the evangelical church. For many years, would not do events that had a price on tickets. I don't know if you knew that. And he would spend upwards of fifty dollars to $100,000 on a concert. But I think about all the souls that have been saved through that ministry. But I'm believing God's going to rise up another in this generation. He's going to rise up another in this generation. Will you very quickly turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 16? The book of Acts chapter 16. And I'm, I, as I said, I'm going to try not to preach too long. We have had such a powerful move of the Spirit this morning. We're believing for healing in folks' bodies. Believing for healing in folks' bodies. In Jesus' name. But I do want to share a little bit. Um... Pastor has uh, requested, so to speak, but I, I'm doing this very will, uh, willingly, has asked me to preach a little bit into the vision. I hope maybe throughout the year I'll, I'll maybe have another chance also to preach a little bit into the vision, preach the vision a little bit. But I feel a leading to preach bold and kind of a hashtag to it in the face of adversity. Now, I'll tell you what I want to do, Justin, due to the sake of time. Can we go ahead and go to verse 25 of Acts chapter 16? Very common happening in Scripture. We've sang about it, learned about it for many years. It says this, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Example right there. I don't know why I want to say it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Not baptized in a certain format. Hallelujah. So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour, the night, and washed their stripes. Oh, my God. And washed their stripes and immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set foot before him, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. 
Father, I pray that you would touch these few short moments as I as I share a little bit in your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would anoint and that you would equip. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's something we declare. We've declared it this morning that Jesus is the champion. Jesus is, as Alvin Slaughter wrote, he's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion years ago. All-time undisputed, undefeated champion, and we've already defined the fact that he is not stripped or taken away from his title, disqualified or shown up by another young kid that's rising up. There's a consistency and a sovereignty that is never lost. And I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus also doesn't hand out participation trophies. Jesus only hands out the winning trophies. And the ones who have been declared, I'm not knocking the participation trophies this morning. Please don't feel bad if you've ever gotten one. I've gotten one or two in my lifetime. Trust me, I've gotten a few. But Jesus doesn't hand out participation trophies. He doesn't hand out the superlative award that says most spirited player on the team. He doesn't hand out the one that says willing to hand out the water to the other players. He also doesn't hand out trophies that says anything like best effort. No, Jesus is the one who's got the winning side and therefore his winnings have declared my winnings. Oh, hallelujah. And now here we are in a case scenario where, where there's a bold challenge that's been laid out in front of us. And the crazy thing about boldness, if you look in the Greek definition, it translates into a public format. I've found out something these past few weeks with the vision, is that it is impossible to have boldness unless it is in a public setting. And I'm going to define this right now. I know this crowd will probably hoop and holler and rejoice with me when I say this. The movement of the Holy Ghost, the infilling, the baptism, and the empowerment of the Holy Ghost was given so that we would have a tool of boldness. He was given in a tool of boldness. And I'll say this, I hope nobody gets hurt at me or offended at me. The movement of the Holy Ghost was not intended for a small group to be kept contained in a particular room or in somebody's house. The movement and empowerment of the Holy Ghost was intended for public expression so that signs and wonders could be witnessed by the lost. I know you can point at me and say that's so easy for you, Micah Bynum, all the years of, uh, of background and teaching and your familiarity on Pentecost. Uh, I know I've got all kinds of influence in my life. Uh, I was joking with the 9 o'clock service, uh, and I said, yes, uh, my first service was in a Church of God church. Uh, I got saved at a Church of God altar. Then I got baptized at a different Church of God's baptistry. Uh, and then I attended Church of God camps from the time I was young to the time I was not so young. I've had times in my life I've been set forth in ministry. I've got certificates with Church of God leadership signatures on them. I've got all this 
lacking by the church of God. But I will declare to you, it is not my doctrine and my bylaws that supports the move of the Holy Ghost. It's a book of Acts thing. It's an epistles thing. It's an it's an apostle Peter, an apostle Paul, an apostle John. It's the I don't even know what to say next, but somebody rejoice. Get the Holy Ghost out of the closet and let him move. Hallelujah. Years ago, I heard Jensen Franklin say his church was starting to grow and they were getting people of a certain uh, socioeconomic status coming to his church, uh, predominant people, local politicians, businessmen, doctors, surgeons, uh, all known men there in that greater Atlanta area. He said his council stood and sat in front of him and they said, Pastor, maybe we should kind of just uh, uh, change our format and change our layout of things and change how we do things to, you, you know, to to make things a little more comfortable for them. Uh, Pastor Jensen said, I simply got in my prayer closet uh, and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, Jensen, dance with the one that brought you here. He's the one who's going to take you further. Let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost is good at his job and if the Pentecostal church would quit being afraid of Pentecost and trust the Holy Ghost, you will see the greatest of walls and barriers begin to be destroyed. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. If a pastor tells me he's full of the Holy Ghost, I want him to lay hands and pray in the Holy Ghost over me because I've got struggles in my life. I don't need the educated, pretty words of men. I need a language that not even the angels can speak. I need the Holy Ghost to speak through them and pour into me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you something right now because what will happen is boldness, spiritual boldness, it breaks down those barriers to where the one who was beating you down is going to be the one that's going to wash your wounds, the one that's going to serve you, and the one who's going to come running, falling on his face saying, what must I do to be saved? Hallelujah. In the face of adversity is where the Holy Ghost does his best work. The Holy Ghost does his best work in the face of adversity. See, there's something, there's been an underlying very quiet attack of the enemy that has happened within the last year and a half or so. It's a breakdown. It's almost saying those that have hyper-spirituality or maybe of, uh, it, it's like a, a class, a demographic. It's some type of a political standing. You belong in this corner and they belong in that corner. And I've seen something rise up a little bit in the church house. And I've seen people begin to walk in fear and say it's time to run and it's time to get away and it's time to duck and hide because we don't want any of that friction. We don't want any of that tension. We don't want any of that trouble so we'll just go do our thing over here but let me tell you something. I believe that there are moments getting ready to happen. Adversity is getting ready to happen and the church is going to say I'm not going anywhere. God just revealed himself and I'm standing right here Paul and Silas could have ran 
They could have gotten away. <laughs> they could have scurried away. But they said, do yourself no harm. Do yourself no harm. You want to know something? There's going to be those moments. There's going to be those moments. There's going to be those moments that the ones who would scrutinize and criticize and, and, and want us to shut our mouths and want us to stay away are going to have the big revelation. They're going to have the realization that in their direction, the only hope is death. The only way to get out of this mess is death. The only way to break ourselves is death. That jailer knew good and well his, his job, not just his job was in jeopardy, but his life was probably also in jeopardy. Mm. And they'll find all the years he thought he was maybe doing the right thing. He thought maybe he was doing all oh, supporting the right side, supporting the right end of the spectrum, supporting immorality, supporting sin, supporting oppression. He thought all those things were right. Somebody, somebody probably trained him and told him it was right. Somebody probably ingrained it into his mind. But it's at those Holy Ghost moments that the one who has been trained and in doctrine to hate spirituality and hate morality and hate the truth of the word of God will come to a moment of realization I've got to be saved hallelujah I gotta be saved I gotta be saved I gotta be saved I've gotta be saved Oh my goodness, I've got to be saved. Adv adversity will fleshly shut a door, but spiritually will open it up wide open. Adversity will fleshly make us shut a door, but spiritually it will open the door wide open. Amen. <laughs> what do I say next? I'll tell you something, saints, that it is very unique with where kind of we are standing right now. It's, it's very unique because something has actually risen When I was young, if you said you were spirit-filled, it meant you fell out on the floor and spoke in tongues and didn't care who watched. But now some people will put the banner spirit-filled on themselves who will deny the validity of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I know in settings like this, it is so easy. Let me tell you, it's so easy to get with somebody and get behind them in this kind of a message. You know, these rally-type settings, church settings. But I tell you something. We need the divine moves of God. And there's, some, there, there, there's a challenge for the Pentecostal church right now. The word of God says signs and wonders will follow us, but we find ourselves wanting to follow signs and wonders. We're trying to chase something that was meant to follow us. 
We're trying to hunt something down that we were given the promise was going to follow us. And now in the year 2021, let me tell you, the shifting will have to take place where we declare, God, I don't want to chase after anything that you said is going to follow me. And I know it's a radical move. I know it's a radical move. At times, it's a bold move. It's a bold move at times. Even now, we're in a time and season. I'm not going to be disrespectful, but it's a bold move to simply lay hands on people now. Mm. It's a bold move. Oh, it's a bold move to speak out loud in this day and age. In this day, but, but let me tell you something. There's a resonation. There's a Holy Ghost spiritual resonation that's going to be taking place like it happened with Paul and Silas because the word of God says at the midnight hour they prayed and sang hymns of praise. Now many times we'll preach that that midnight hour was the darkest hour, but let me tell you something about the midnight hour. It's the starting and dawning of a new day. It's the dawning of a new day. The old day has passed. The new day has come. They were singing hymns and rejoicing at an hour where they knew we might be in chains right now, but soon and very soon we're going to see him move and flow and operate and do miracles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's the dawning of a new day. The midnight hour is a dawning of the new day. It's the dawning of the new day. It is a new day. It is a new day. New day. New day. The dawning, the adversity is going to open the door to the new day. Because let me tell you something. We know the story and the happening. They were thrown into prison because divinely and miraculously, Paul had cast a demon out of a girl who brought her masters a lot of profit through fortune telling. So he cast out, and the Bible even said, once again you see the spiritual battle happening. Because the Bible doesn't say he spoke to the girl. The Bible says he spoke to the the spirit and when he took dominion and authority over the spirit the spirit left the girl but the masters therefore did not like it and therefore brought Paul and Silas to be accused and they were beaten so right now you look at the chronology of events you see God moving greatly in the ministry of Paul and then you see them taken and beaten and thrown into prison as a result of it but after in in the prison house is where the jailer got saved. Let me tell you something, saints. I know this is kind of a preaching cliche to say, but let all oh, the thing that was meant to stop you is the thing that's going to turn the page to the next chapter of where God's going to take you. It's intended mm, so that he can reveal himself to you and through you. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I just wonder right now if you could stand to your feet. I, I just let's let's just close in a time of of prayer. Mom, if you just want to help me with a few keys, that'd be great. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Just we you go ahead and bring everybody. That's fine. Hallelujah. 
can you play me out with Jericho? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you just lift up your hands right now? Just, just love on the Lord for a moment. Oh, just love on the Lord for a moment. If it doesn't work, that's fine, guys. That's quite a curveball. Father, we glorify you and we love you. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. We rejoice in our adversity. We rejoice in the face of adversity. We worship in the face of adversity. We pray in the face of adversity. Oh, God. Oh, God, we worship you this morning. We worship you and we praise you, God. We thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible says there at the beginning of that happening, that account in Scripture, the Bible says at the midnight hour, they were singing and they were worshiping. The Bible says they had hands laid on them, they were beaten, and they had stocks placed upon their feet. Now, culturally, you can preach as though, yeah, maybe they could have had shackles, but it's kind of like they had the stocks on their feet, but they still had the ability to lift up their hands. Oh, let me tell you something, saints of God. It's vital. It's vital to take what is still within us and cry out to God and glorify Him and praise Him. If there's anything that needs to be rekindled, it's, it's a passion for our worship. It's a passion to seek God. The world may be different, but you still got a praise in your mouth. The world may be different, but you can still lift up hands to heaven. The world may be different, but you still got the word of God in your hand. It may be different, but you still got the promises of God. You still can listen to the voice of God. You can still seek the face of God, even in the face of adversity, in the face of times of criticism, persecution. you still got something on the inside of you and the devil can't take that away. Mm. Oh my goodness. Even in the face of adversity, God is still good. Even in the face of adversity, souls can be saved, lives can be touched, bodies can be healed. Oh, my God, even in the face of adversity. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I wonder right now, I wonder right now if there's anybody that says adversity is not going to stop me anymore. It's going to empower me. It's going to equip me to cry out to God, to seek the face of God. Spiritually, adversity will open the door. Jesus Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you sing a little something there, Noah? Oh, just worship the Lord for a moment. Ooh, I was sad in the years I spent chained once 
in a long time. Somebody give him a midnight hour praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Is there anything, Pastor, we need to share? Remember, we've got the student lock-in Friday night, Wednesday night connect. Stephen Stewart's going to be preaching. Wanna, Looking forward to that. I want to say something. I'm tired of losing. Is anybody else? Amen. I'm ready to win. Praise I God. Was, I thought that when you preached at 9 o'clock. I'm sick of being on a losing side. I'm on a winning side. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Love one another in the Lord. I'm liable to break into an old uh, 